Hello and welcome to Quarter Time Podcast in partnership with Level Netball. I'm Lucy G. And I'm Lucy P. And we're here to bring you all the netball goodness you never knew you needed. Hello, 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 and welcome to episode four of Quarter Time Podcast. I can't believe it, Luce. We are already nearly a fifth of the way through the Netball Super League season. Hasn't Stop that just it. flown? It. flown. It's <laughs> And it's been another cracking week of netball action to digest. There's actually been so much netball happening all across the globe. We've had mm-hmm. Europe Netball Under-17 Championship, so shout out to all the teams competing in that, as well as the Team Girls Cup SSN preseason competition as well. So just netball everywhere. We love to see it. So, Luce, what's coming up on the show today? So today we're going to be recapping all the games from round four of the Netball Super League with our three word summaries and of course revealing our game of the round and player of the round. And speaking of SSN preseason tournament, this week our special topic is high performance mindset and we are delighted to say that we are joined by Australian Diamonds goalkeeper Courtney Bruce for this special conversation. We cover everything from being a shy kid to her high performance behaviours, motivations and bouncing back from the Commonwealth Games 2018 loss and so much more. It's an incredible conversation. Amazing. I cannot wait for this one. Let's dive straight in with our three word summaries of Netball Super League round four. So first up on Friday, we had Dragons versus Stars with Stars taking the win 61 to 40. And I said, new side shines. Nice. Would have loved to have seen this game live, actually, as I think quite a lot of people were tipping this to be a real cracker and a close one. And in mm. all honesty, I would probably have expected it to be a bit closer in terms of the scoreline. But it yeah. seems like stars have really found their stripes. Everyone for the side is doing their job really consistently. And they now sit fifth on the ladder, although it's obviously still quite early days in the season. Stars won every quarter in this one, including a 6-16 to 16 third quarter. And the key difference stats wise was the unforced errors with nine for stars and 17 for dragons so they will be looking to tidy this up against mavs in round five. Oof, yeah 17 that's a bit of a killer isn't it mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, following this game was lightning versus mavericks with lightning taking the win at 68 to 51 and i've actually stolen my three word summary from karen Gregg, who was <laughs> one of the commentators and i've gone for adaptability is key I got really excited after the first quarter of this game, thinking we might have a goal-for-goal game in our hands, but Lightning just shattered my dreams with a devastating 21-12 second quarter to take a comfortable win. Defensively, Lightning just dominated. They had 12 intercepts to Mavs 5, 20 turnovers to Mavs 6, and they caused Venter to only shoot at 79%, which is probably well below where she'd like it to be. Mavs just weren't able to adapt in the moment and recognise what Lightning were doing to them. But there were moments of greatness for them. And also, shout out to Fran Williams, who got her third Player of the Match award three games in a row. Crazy. What? That is ridiculous. Oh, I'm loving what she's doing for Lightning this season. But mm. I, I do think that there's more to come from Mavs later on in the year, perhaps when they've got Koshi back, etc. But we are seeing some really good glimpses, which is great. Mm. 
Next up, it was Bath versus Sirens, with Bath taking a very narrow win, 49 to 48. And my three-word summary was one in it. <laughs> oh, this was our first nail-biting one-goal game of 2023. And Bath rotated their lineup with numerous combinations and saw all four shooters take the court. Stats-wise, 23 feeds from Arlie Wilshire and centre, which was the most on court in this game, and turnovers heavily in favour of Bath with 11 to Sirens 3, which was really surprising. Mm. Unfortunately, there was an injury to Beth Dix in quarter two, and we wish her all the best, and fingers crossed it's not too serious. So far this year, Luce, Bath narrowly beat Sirens, who beat Stars, who beat Dragons, who beat Bath. So it's just (laughs) extremely... Unpredictable and exciting with all these sides in the table, which is great to see. I was trying to work this out, and I was like that meme, you know, of the guy with the red string. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's just it, you you can't predict which way it's gonna go, which is amazing. Isn't that so yeah. good? It's what you love to see, but how gutted we couldn't actually watch this game. <laughs> yeah, I would have loved to see this one to be fair. To be yeah, yeah. never Shame. mind, never mind. Uh, first up on Saturday was Pulse versus Thunder with Thunder taking the win at 58 to 51. And I've gone for Champions Bounce Back. Mm. This was the Thunder that we know and love. They were ruthless. They were dogged. They were technically exceptional. And every player on court for them just really shone and they connected beautifully. I think Pulse just started a little slow. They were just a bit... They were just a bit late to get into the game and they were down by eight goals at halftime and and just gave themselves too much work to do in the second half, really. But it's great to see these two top sides going head to head so early on in the season. I think it'll be a big confidence boost for Thunder, who've still never lost a pulse. But similarly, like we said last week, with Thunder's loss to Storm would make this game spicy. I think Pulse's loss to Thunder is now going to make the Storm game super, super spicy. So you love to see it. Totally agree. And how interesting that Pulse have never beaten Thunder. It's a amazing rivalry, I think, developing between those two sides. Mm. And yeah, I'm really excited to see how they go when they play them in the second half of the season as well. I think that'll be really yeah. interesting. Next up then, and our final game of the round was Storm versus Mavericks, with Storm taking another win, 68 to 56. And I said, putting foot down. Mm. There were just five goals in this one at half time, and it had all the potential to be a real nail biter. But in true unflappable Surrey Storm style, they just stepped on the gas in quarter three and four and really just rode the game home. Storm have really cleaned up the unforced errors from their last game, just four in this one, and only one miss at the post from Proscovia Peace, who also picked up five of the six available rebounds. Oh my God. <laughs> Amazing. What a legend. And it was feeding time at the zoo for both centres as Austin and Mather had 21 and 20 feeds respectively. So a great day out for those two. And I was interested in this because you usually think of the wing attack as the dominant feeder and the centre Mm. as feeding support and defensive support, that kind of linking player through the middle. But I think we are seeing centres just really finding a lot of space and availability. And I wondered if that was to do with maybe how well the wing attacks are being covered by the wing defences. You know, obviously Mm. in this game, you've got Amy Flanagan um, and Zaranika. I was in wing defence for Mavericks as well, I think. So yeah, interesting about that one. Yeah, that's a really good point. And, uh, you know, speaking of um, Mather, I've really enjoyed what she's brought to this Maverick side this season. Mm. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing her grow and hopefully stay for for next season as well. I'm really enjoying her. Yeah. Uh, 
So moving on to our game of the round, which one have we picked, Luce? Well, unsurprisingly, it was Pulse versus Thunder. I'm really relieved that we were able to watch this back because I was actually watching at home. I just wa- we'd watched the rugby, had some friends over, and I was like, oh, I'm going to put the netball on for everyone. Oh, yeah, it's Manchester playing London. Get it all- Got it all up there. Stream wasn't working. Devastated. Yeah. Had to go on to the other game as well and got a few people interested in talking about it, which was quite good. But yeah, really disappointed we couldn't watch it live, but then was uh, very pleased to see it on playback. As always, with a Manchester-London derby, it was a very physical battle. I don't know what it looked mm-hmm. like for you courtside, loose, but 82 penalties for Pulse and 70 for Thunder, with a total of five cautions in this game, plus a warning for Zara Everett. I mean, for me, that is just too much whistle. That that equates to an average of 2.5 penalties a minute. Oof. And it is, I did feel it was just, there was just so much of it. And I don't think there was really that much flow in the game. And, and having mm. watched a, a number of the games from the Team Girls Cup over an SSN, like the difference in what is allowed to go, uh, what is allowed to be challenged there, particularly if it's a challenge on the hand, there's much more of it is let go there compared to here and it was this game was too much whistle for me yeah no I have to agree with you on that one I think potentially um it's a growth area in terms of standardizing the leagues and also then it's different when you come again internationally for the umpires as well but they obviously have to have to call what they see out there and it's it's whether it's deemed to be contact as if it's impeding someone Mm. when the players are at this level because obviously they can withstand such a physical uh, battering I suppose and you see them with the rugby pads and everything like they're, yes. they're trained for this like that, that's what they do so yeah. let it flow in in my opinion um, yeah. anyway from a Thunder perspective uh, they've obviously really built that connection with Potgita now and they're finding her so easily uh, directly under the post she's got one of the highest shooting mm. percentages in the league um, Keeble in my view was being completely beaten and I think that the change to bring Hallie could have probably come on sooner and I probably would have had that as my first choice rather than putting Fumi back in jail yeah, I, I completely agree, actually. I think Hallie plays such an important role in that defensive end. And obviously, you know, there's probably a, a case of maybe managing some of her minutes return post-injury. But her combination with Fumi is just elite. So, mm. so good. Yeah, no, I have to agree. And I think that that sort of speaks to the depth on the bench, really, for Pulse, that mm. they have all these multiple options to go to. And talking of Pulse, then, only four feeds from Pittman. I was really surprised to see that on the stats. So obviously bringing Alicia Skulls on was really necessary. I think Barry Neal was taking on a lot of the load. She had 17 feeds, which was the joint highest on court with Nat Metcalf, actually. And I kind of don't think it was a case that Pulse played badly in this game I think there were Mm. just a few brain fades in the first half and they didn't necessarily win the mental battle with Thunder in this one would you agree Luce? Well I think it's like what we said in the last episode the loss to Storm like we knew they were going to come out absolutely all guns blazing in this one and I think that was just the difference for me they just had greater intensity they seemed hungrier for it and like you say Pulse weren't bad Thunder were just better. Mm. Yeah. And I mean, Fumi, unsurprisingly, best defensive stats on court, two intercepts, seven deflections, four turnovers, which is possibly quiet by her standards. I don't know. if By her standards, yeah. Yeah, by her lofty, (laughs) lofty standards. But actually, Thunder also made quite a few defensive changes, which I think really kept Pulse guessing. And I think, I mean, bringing Kerry Armand off the bench 
is mm. kind of a power move in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, yeah, I really liked um, Karen Gregg's decision to do that as well. Yeah, 100%. And I think for Pulse, you know, it's probably good to get this tough test out the way early on in the season and to take the learnings from it into the rest of the season. Um, and particularly, like we say, coming into the Storm game this weekend, like this this game is going to be absolutely critical for them in how they bounce back and how they turn that loss into a, a, a learning point. Yeah, no, I think everyone needs to have an outstanding game for Pulse this weekend. I think they can't just rely on certain players. Everyone needs to really step up and and take on and take on the challenge. And yeah, I, I, I'm interested to see how this game goes. I probably tipping a storm win, but very narrowly. I honestly can't predict it. My first instinct would be to say storm by like two, but then I think... I don't know. I just think Pulse are going to come out so hard. Uh, There's so little in it, isn't it? There's so So little little. in it. So, you know, we'll have to wait and see on Saturday. Get your Mm. tickets if you haven't already. But um, (laughs) (laughs) so moving on then to our player of the round, Luce, take it away. Who have we gone for this week? Oh, I'll tell you what, this was such a tough week to pick because there were so many outstanding performances. You know, honourable mention to Lois Pearson, who played a cracker. Emma Thacker, who's really coming into her own. Fran Williams, her third player of the match in a row. But this week, we've gone for Jodie Gibson. Mm -hmm. Now, she had probably the most uh, unenviable task of coming up against two of the league's most dominant shooters just 22 hours apart plus playing in her second position of goalkeeper, and she just killed it. In the Lightning game, she got three out of five of Mavs's... Mavs, Mavs's? Three out of five of Mavs' intercepts, as well as six deflections and four out of six of their turnovers. So she absolutely dominated uh, the stats defensively. She wasn't able to get quite as much hand to ball against Storm, but she still came away with five deflections, two turnovers and a rebound. But I think for me, the thing with Jodie this year... She's really stepped up in terms of her leadership role on court. She's got, you can hear on the uh, live stream, she's got constant comms with Monique Mayer. There were patches of absolute brilliance from the pair of them, particularly in that second quarter, I think it was, of the Storm game. So if you haven't watched that, definitely go back and re-watch that quarter in particular because there were just moments of, of pure gold. Mm. It's a real shame, actually, that Quashie wasn't ready for the start of the season because Jodie's definitely at her best when she's out at goal defence. And I think it will take a little while, obviously, shifting everyone back and then putting Quashie back in. But when they do, boy, are they going to be lethal. Mm, yeah, no, I totally agree with that. I can't wait to see what they can put out when Crossy returns. And actually, despite the fact that Mavs haven't necessarily had the results go their way, they have had a few losses. It definitely seems to me that Jodie's really enjoying her netball at the moment. Like she's got mm. a big smile on her face and she's really shining. And, and I feel like she's come into her own as well. Yeah, 100%. I think considering who she's up against, the the short time period to rest that they had in between, I don't think you can look past her really for, for play of the round this week. So great mm. job, Jodie, if you're yep. listening. <laughs> <laughs> who knows? <laughs> Coming up next, we chat to Australian Diamond and West Coast Fever captain Courtney Bruce about high performance mindset. Don't go anywhere. I don't know about you, Luce, but it gets to this point in the season and all I'm thinking about is getting new trainers, you know, <laughs> when you're just eyeing them up all the way through. I really just, I, I'm feeling it. 
Yeah, I love a bit of new stash, but I'm the type of person, I'll put all of these things into my basket, spend hours and hours looking around, but then I'll never actually go through with it. It just yeah. sits in my basket forevermore. It's so true. I know, honestly, can relate. But <laughs> luckily, Love or Netball are offering a 15% discount on all first-time orders with code NETPOD15 at levelnetball.co.uk. So you're sorted. Yeah, and honestly, Level Netball is the place to go. Whatever you want, they've got absolutely everything. 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 Such a good range. Yeah. So whether you're looking for trainers, you're looking for bibs, you're looking for supports, whatever yeah, you need. Yeah, sports bras, all of that stuff. Sports bras, exactly. Um, They have got you covered. So don't forget, that's a 15% discount of all first-time orders with the code NETPOD15 at levelnetball.co.uk. Love a bit of Level. Oh my God. Love a bit of level. Love a bit of level. (laughs) Happy shopping, guys. It is such an honor to welcome Courtney Bruce onto the podcast. How are you doing, Courtney? I'm good. Thank you for having me on. Oh, it is an absolute pleasure. We, we've we been wanting to get you on for ages and I think mm. we really found the right topic with you this week. We're going to be talking about high performance mindset. Um, but firstly, before we get on to that, we just wanted to say huge congratulations on winning the Team Girls Cup. Obviously, West Coast Fever won the final against the Adelaide Thunderbirds last weekend. Hopefully a sign of even more good things to come for the West Coast Fever this year. Yeah, fingers crossed. There's a little bit of a hoodoo around winning Team Girls Cup. Um, I don't think any teams ever won Team Girls Cup and then won a, a premiership. Yeah. So we're hoping that um, and change that direction. But yeah, no, really exciting weekend. Um, we didn't have a uh, full team at strength. So really excited to get everyone back and then actually hit round one. Like the the vibes with Dan Ryan and the team and like the way he talks to you guys, uh, the tactical timeouts, everything just looks like it's such a vibe. It's so on point. He has a lot of passion, that is for sure. He definitely loves a good rev up out there. But yeah, he gets the girls around it and he like absolutely loves the green West Coast fever. Yeah, it was amazing, actually, when you guys won last year. I think there was so much emotion wrapped up in it because it had Mm. been quite a long time coming, obviously. What was that like, that that win? Oh, I think I cried so much. It was actually ridiculous, and I have the worst crying face. So it wasn't (laughs) great. Back on TV, but... um, yeah, it's been 25 years in the making. Some of us, myself included, have been at the club for 12 years. So to finally taste some success and after being so close, um, basically three years in a row to finally get across the line, to do it at home in front of our Green Army and selling out the RIC Arena is just, yeah, an absolute dream come true and to look up in the crowd and see all our fans that have stuck with us, but also all the ex-Fever players and Orioles players that were around. So, yeah, 25 years in the making and honestly couldn't be more prouder. Yeah, no, it's it's incredible achievement. And I think it's almost sweeter when something like that has, has been kind of a, a long build up and, and you've worked on it for and you've been so close to then really get that success. And then obviously you had a pretty good 2022 otherwise as well with the Diamonds obviously uh, winning the Commonwealth Games, which was incredible to watch. But as we mentioned, our special topic for today is around high performance mindset. And we just thought you were the perfect person for this, not only because of your on-court success, you know, obviously winning 
winning the 2021 Liz Ellis Diamond Award, gold medalist at the Commonwealth Games, like we mentioned. But also, uh, some people may not know this, but you're actually studying psychology at university. So you're very well versed on the subject. So we really just wanted to dig into the mindset of Courtney Bruce and get to understand the different factors and behaviors that have enabled you to have such a high performance mindset and really be at the top of your game. So we understand that your parents actually signed you up to play netball as a kid to help you overcome your shyness. And then you went from being a really shy kid to making your ANZ championship debut in 2013, making your diamonds debut in 2017, and then obviously becoming West Coast Fever's longest serving captain and a Commonwealth Games gold medalist. So looking back now, how do you reflect on that decision by your parents to have you play netball as such a shy kid? Uh, at the time, probably didn't enjoy it very much, but now looking <laughs> back, obviously, um, a great decision by them. I, I have two younger sisters, they're twins, we're only 17 months apart, and mum and dad were so I was a little bit jealous of them, so I think that's probably what contributed to my shyness, but um, yeah, I honestly thank God mum and dad every day that they put me in back into the sport um, because, yeah, I'm so lucky that I get to do the thing that I absolutely love now. Um, it wasn't easy at the start. Um, I definitely prefer like an ind- preferred an individual sport and more of being an introvert. Um, but, yeah, very grateful that they put me back into it. And so what was that adjustment like going from individual? Because you you had done some high jump as well and been very successful in that prior to playing netball and then how did you learn to work with others in a, in that kind of team environment? I think I always thrived in a team environment I think I just felt more comfortable probably in the individual sport sporting arena so um, I think yeah I was always in my best kind of shape when I was around um, a, a group of girls and a, a team of netballers so I think I slotted back in really easily and then the, the opposite happened I really struggled um, to be in an individual sport I really I was trying to balance the two um, when I was about 15 and 16 and then I really struggled going back to athletics because I definitely missed having all my friends next to me and having people that you're working towards a common goal with um, and having I guess to challenge yourself in that really individual space yeah I just started to really dislike that side and really enjoyed the team side. Mm, yeah, no, it's interesting, isn't it? When you go from from one environment, you you do learn to sort of really adapt. And we know that for kind of any individual, whether you're an elite athlete, a performer, an artist, a, an entrepreneur, that, that kind of talent alone isn't really enough to be successful. There has to be kind of something else kind of fueling the fire. So there's a great quote from Dame Kelly Holmes about this that essentially says, the majority of success is in the mind. It's only 20% talent. So if we work on the assumption that this is correct, what would you say makes up the other 80% of why you're such a successful athlete? Oh, I think that would be a huge part of it is the people that I surround myself with and the people in my corner. I'm super lucky that at West Coast Fever we've had a team psych that's worked with us for such a long period of time and since I was quite a young player coming through the pathway. So, yeah, having Jody there, I have always been or I always was quite an anxious netballer. Um, anxiety ruled like a huge part of my life. So I think that's the thing that held me back um, in my first couple of years in FIBA. But, yeah, having someone like Jody, having some incredible teammates, um, having some incredible Diamonds players that I've been able to learn off. I think, yeah, it's just, it's honestly about the people that are there in my background that are cheering for me um, because sometimes it's really hard to cheer for yourself, but knowing that they're there is the thing that spurs me along. 
Yeah, exactly. And I, I think it, that's kind of the beauty of, of team sport is that, is that community environment and, and being able to bounce off each other and, and really having that, that sense of support. And obviously netball, you know, by its very nature is, is a team sport and kind of can't be won or lost by a single person. Um, but one thing I've learned from my interest in the high performance mindset is those who truly reach their potential kind of do so by surrounding themselves with people who just encourage them to really be there best self uh, and in sports particularly there needs to be that real team culture of high performance that goes beyond kind of one individual and, and spreads into the wider team so what are the elements within the diamonds environment that create this united team and kind of promote a high performance environment I think that definitely stands out for me in our diamonds environment is our sisters and arms culture so Essentially, when you step onto that line um, to sing the national anthem, you're standing next to your sister, to your friend, to your family, and that when you step over that white line, you do anything to look after, protect, and help that person thrive. And I think that's just such a special thing to be a part of, um, especially in the Diamonds environment. You've got 12 of the best players in Australia competing for seven positions on the court, and you would think that it would have... Um, the capabilities of being quite toxic, but it's the complete opposite. Everyone just wants each other to get better. And the way that we kind of just communicate how honest we are with each other, we're quite a humble group. Um, and the conversations that we have, like, it, it's actually so phenomenal to be a part of. It's really nice to hear because I think netball in particular is a predominantly female sport. I mean, certainly in the UK, but I'm not sure about Australia, but it does kind of have this reputation for being like a I don't know if I can say this word because it's bit, explicit, like bit, a bitchy, <laughs> like a bit catty, clicky, yeah. bit catty. Um, it kind of has that reputation. So hearing that even at that very, very top level, that's the complete opposite of what it's actually like. I think, uh, well, hopefully that will encourage greater and wider participation. But we know that, you know, elite sport can be pretty brutal. Life isn't always plain sailing. And you in particular have had a, a fair amount of issues to contend with in, in recent years, including, you know, the COVID hub that was amazing, but I imagine very challenging. There was the fever salary cap scandal, just to name a couple of examples. So when you're when you're hit with this kind of adversity, how do you keep yourself and your teammates in that right frame of mind to keep playing at that top level and to keep succeeding? I think the thing that we try and focus on the most and the definitely thing we tried to focus on with Fever with um, everything that had happened in our past was just that we literally can't control any noise that's outside of us, that um, people are going to talk, people are going to have their opinions, but in the end it's the, the 10 and the team, the four training partners and our staff that get to control our environment and the way that we show up. And it, to be honest, we're the only people that know our own truth and what we're putting out there, what happens in our environment day in, day out. And it does get tough and it's really hard not to go on socials and see what people are saying about the club that you love or um, things that are going on in your environment. But I think, yeah, we really try to focus on the things that we can control. And, yeah, that is honestly the way that we show up um, for each other and to the training environment and trying our best to ignore um, the outside noise and everyone else's opinion. Yeah, I mean, that... That, that element of control that you mentioned, I think, is absolutely fascinating. And actually, this came up in our research that we did for this episode. Uh, we came across the work of Albert Bandura, who dedicated his life to sort of exploring how the human mind works. And he determines that the individuals who believed that they could control their fate 
fared far better in life than those who didn't believe that they had what it took. He he called it high and low self-efficacy. So those people with high self-efficacy tend to put their success or failures down to their own actions or behaviours rather than trying to sort of blame other people or look for fault outside of themselves. And now, thanks to his work, there's loads of evidence around in today's age that supports the concept that having that strong sense of control over your life significantly increases your life's chances. So how important is that element of control to you, both on and off the court? Yeah, I think that's such an interesting topic because I think for me, I feel like most of the time I don't have much control over my life. I'm so dictated by, I guess, SSN, fever and the diamonds. So um, in, I guess, off the court, trying to take it back as much as control of what I do in my off time. Um, fever know about it, but I have like wellness Wednesdays where I mute the fever group. It's our day off. So I take a bit back, a bit of that control back. Um, because for me personally, it all becomes a little bit all too consuming. I've learned over the years that I am a better netballer when I am way better looking after myself off the court. Um, and that's been a huge, huge shift for me. Um, I used to think that if I gave everything to the club and gave everything to everyone else, then my netball would take care of itself and I'd be a better player. But I've learned, yeah, it's quite the opposite for myself. So um, as much as it, yeah, at times I feel like I have little to no control, but being able to control my non-netball life and Courtney Bruce, not the netballer, um, makes me a much better netballer. Yeah, it's like that um, that thing they say on aeroplanes, you have to put your own life jacket on before helping anyone else. You have to sort of look after yourself, make sure that you're able to then be 100% present and show up for your teammates. And I think that that element of control off court, I find really fascinating. And we heard in a, a podcast that you did, I think it's like September last year, that your parents actually took you to a speech pathologist because as a child, you refused to speak when your twin sisters were born. Do you think that was maybe a way of you trying to exercise some of that control as a child and sort of having that that agency and autonomy yourself? Yeah, probably mum and dad would just say that I was absolutely stubborn. <laughs> They made me stubborn, so back at you, mum and dad. Um, but yeah, probably. I honestly, I think I was just yeah wanting to get mum and dad's attention, and um, yeah, honestly, you're probably right. Just take back some control and and say shove it to my my two younger sisters. Um, but we're much better. We all get along now, just not like when we were younger. <laughs> Yeah, no, totally get that. Highly relatable. It's difficult when you're the firstborn or the only child to then suddenly have more people in your life that you're vying for attention with for your parents. So I, I can feel you on that one. Oh, that's so opposite to me because I was the second born. So I was the drama. Right? And my, <laughs> si- my sister was like, oh, God, who's this little person who's coming now screaming to death? So, yeah, that that was me. That was my story. See, I was the last, I was third out of three. So by the time I came along, my parents were kind of like, you could just raise yourself. They like chucked the box <laughs> in the corner and I just gave myself it my is, own. Effort. It is so fascinating though. I think psychology and that the early development like sets so many patterns for kind of what you grow up to be and, and your kind of success and, and your outcomes going on later in life. Is that something that you're studying a lot about, Courtney, about kind of early development in your in your psychology degree? Look, if I'm being really honest, COVID's really stuffed my uni degree up over the last couple of years. 
Um, so I haven't studied that much over the last little bit, but um, I am. I, this is the stuff that I'm so intrigued in. Um, I'm so. I guess like the reason that I wanted to study psychology was um, why we do the things that we do. Why do our brains um, tell us things? Why do we think these certain ways about ourselves? But a hundred percent, I think um, that as much as mom and dad tried to get me back into sport and whatnot, I think. Um, being the older sister of two um, two twins quite close in age, I think that definitely affected me. And I think um, my mum and dad are absolutely fantastic, but I think you're such a product of your environment. Um, and I'm so grateful that like I got the opportunity to go into netball because um, being driven around by some some older players and having some older players take me under their wings, I think I'm such a product of those people now and definitely helped me thrive and find my my voice within the sport. Yeah, because it's about, I, I think it's a, the influence of different role models in your life is, is such a key factor in kind of how you grow up and, and how you develop as a person. Because I always think you're kind of a product of all the little influences that have happened, whether that's been a, a great PE teacher at school who's really inspired you or like an older teammate who, like you say, has take, taken you under their wing. And uh, I, I really just love that. I find it fascinating, you know, how people kind of grow and and absorb other people's different personality traits and 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 different ideas as as they grow up but then also finding your own identity within that and not just kind of becoming like the the little sister or the you know what or the big sister or, or whatever it is that, that that's your role that you kind of find identity in that is that something that you can relate to at all Courtney? Yeah, definitely. I always say when you look at my sisters, one is the splitting image of mom and one's a splitting image of dad. And I don't really know where I sit within that. Um, and yeah, I think about um, mom and dad having to drive us around. I'm a December baby, so couldn't get my license till really late in the year. So I had to rely on a lot of people to have to drive me around. And um, I've had some amazing role models um, in the netball community some coaches in like Nikki Prother and Sue Scott down at my association that have just took me under their wings, drove me around, believed in me. Um, and then some players that had been in the Orioles pathway um, that kind of showed me um, and taught me, I guess, the things that they, what they would call mistakes, but I'd call them learnings um, and how to do things a little bit differently. So yeah, I've had some really great people in my life and still in my life that are helping me along this journey. Yeah, and that that's incredible. And obviously, you, you've worked with a lot of um, incredible people over the years, you know, at West Coast Fever and in the Diamonds as well. And I think you've really developed your uh, your own reputation in the game and your status in the game as one of the most formidable goalkeepers in the planet. Uh, I could say maybe the the uh, entire solar system. I don't know if they're playing netball anywhere else, but you are obviously well known and respected as one of the most uh, intimidating, and I mean this in the best way, and fearsome defenders in the game. And clearly when you step on court, your job is to win ball, put doubt in the minds of the feeders, get the better of your opponent and really show that grit and hustle and tenacity. Would you say there is a difference between Courtney on court and Courtney off court? Yeah, a hundred percent. And it's definitely something that I, I struggle with a bit. But um yeah, when I step onto the netball court, I put that hat on and I am, yeah, white line fever, I will win you ball. I want us to win a game and I will do anything to protect my teammates. And then I step off the court and I am such an introvert. I really like my own time. Um I the girls would probably describe me as the mum of the group. 
I definitely make sure that everyone's like just worry about everyone, make sure everyone's okay and looking after them. So they're two very, very different personalities, which at, at times can be really hard. Um, I guess when people don't know that about me, for me to kind of let go of that control a little bit. But yeah, it's definitely been a journey because um, I definitely used to think when I was younger, you had to be just this way all the time, which was that intense Courtney and the same in my leadership. But I'm a much better leader when I'm true to myself, which is a lot kinder um, and calm and just like wanting to look after the person first and foremost. See, I find that so fascinating because like you say, you're you're that sort of calm, like um, mother type presence. And then combining that with the fact that you were so shy as a kid to then come on court and have, as you say, that white line fever kind of attitude. Where do you think that tenacity and that like intimidating factor, as we said, in the best possible way, where does that come from? Because that's such a contrast. Well, if you watch my mum playing that ball, it definitely came from her. For sure. <laughs> um, um, I'm not sure. This is actually a combo I have with our team psych all the time, whether you can teach someone to be a mongrel or not. So whether you're naturally meant to be a defender, or you're naturally meant to be an attacker. And I actually started off as every toll netballer does as a shooter and quickly got moved to the defense end um I don't know I feel like I just know what the game plan is and I have to go out there and execute that I know what my strengths are as a player so um yeah when I just step across it it's just this like alter ego that comes out and um it's there for 60 minutes and then the moment I step off the court it's yeah it's back to normal Courtney no, I have the same thing. I I am like a different person when I go and play my like little Saturday league netball thing. And some people, my friends, have come to watch me, and they were like, "Wow, Lucy, like you really just go for it." Because I'm like yelling at people, and I'm really feisty, and I go. And I think everyone has, um, or most people have an inner mongrel, and it's really like playing netball at, at that level can can really just re- release it out of you. And I, I think that is incredible because as women, generally, we are taught to not really take up too much space and to be you know there's you know a stereotypical view of it is that we're you know sit, sit in the corner and don't take don't say too much you be ladylike don't rock Ugh. the boat and actually the the opportunity in netball is to like rip all of that off and say no I'm here I'm I'm going to take up space I'm going to dominate you I'm going to get the better of my opposition and it, there's so few spaces in life where women can do that and it, it's inspiring to see you kind of living that truth on court and then off court being able to to kind of balance it out and 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 be Courtney I guess oh thank you that's really nice to say. <laughs> I was to say I think I've had great a great role model and like a shiny laden that came before me and she definitely brings up brought a lot of mongrel to the netball and that kind of showed me that yeah you can play the game really hard and that it is it is only just a game of netball so after 60 minutes that's that's it it's done and um Shani I feel like Shani's quite loud off the court too but she she does have that reserve side to her so being able to watch her in the diamonds environment and watch her play at an elite level kind of showed me that yeah it's okay to have both yeah I absolutely love that and I think it just kind of goes to show how like how much you could be yourself and how at home you can feel on the court being able to show both parts of this you know that sort of loving caring soft person off off court and then that kind of mongrel on court and obviously you are known as as being a, a fairly physical defender and you have this amazing ability to really ride the body and to make use of your strength and your stature and I think 
you sometimes can cop a fair bit of criticism for it as well from fans and from commentators. How much does this kind of regular commentary about the way that you play the game impact your mindset or your performance on court? Oh, that's, that's a really good question. Um, I definitely struggled with it coming back from quad series at the start of this year um, and probably never experienced the hate that I had. I've never experienced anything like that. And that was quite eye-opening and, and interesting. And um, I was actually really lucky that I was room with Jamie Lee. And um, I feel like Jamie has a similar kind of tag associated to her name and her partner, Harry, also plays in the AFL here. So um, if anyone was going to understand kind of what I was going through, it was going to be Jamie. But it is it, it is hard at times. I think um, when we talk about like our circle of influence and circle of control, I go back to kind of the people that know me as a player and a person and that sometimes there's just incidents and moments on a court and then nothing more or nothing less and that's okay but yeah it is hard and I really struggled coming back from quad series um took a bit of time away and just tried to reassess and um look I love social media can be a really dark place too for an athlete but um I think I've just tried to learn that um you know what if someone's willing to come and say it to my face then I'll take that feedback on board but often it's the people that sit behind a computer screen with a keyboard that don't even know the sport nor have they played the sport um it doesn't make it an easy appeal to swallow I think um I have a personality of being a little bit of a people pleaser at time and at times and wanting everyone to like me but um our team psych always tells me like court in five years are these people going to be in your life and if they're not going to be in your life then who why does their opinion matter to you so um, yes such good advice actually for any situation I think is taking on board okay what is this feedback is it necessary is it true is it kind and is it actually useful to me and if it's not just bin it yeah yeah exactly it's a hard it's definitely a hard lesson to learn and um still learning through it at the moment um Instagram and things are great you can restrict and block people so um (laughs) We don't have any netball that ever comes up on my Instagram feed, which is fantastic. And that makes me um, be able to enjoy that social media space too, which is nice. Yeah, it makes me think of the, I don't know if you like drag race, but I'm a big drag race (laughs) fan. It makes me think of the RuPaul quote um, who says, unless they're paying your bills, pay them I won't say the word he actually uses, but pay them people no mind. Like they're they're insignificant to you, they're unrelated to you, that they don't even factor into your daily life. So why would you take their uninformed opinion on something they literally know nothing about? Like, why would you let that impact you? I think that's that's really smart. But like the whole people pleaser thing is so painfully relatable. <laughs> I am exactly the same. And it's it's really difficult actually to kind of overcome that and to you know when I'm thinking about like us and the podcast and the sort of arena hosting and stuff that we do it's really difficult to not take your kind of sense of self-worth or achievement out of the external factors and you know how many positive comments you get or how many downloads you get on your episode or whatever and it actually I want to try and move towards this space of having internal motivations and getting that satisfaction of and feeling of success from my own markers rather than external markers yeah I mean I just I find that very interesting that kind of motivation thing as a whole I find really fascinating 
thinking about you in a high performance environment, you work for years and years and years, you put your body and everything else on the line in order to achieve a specific goal, like an SSN title or Commonwealth Games gold medal. And then once that's been ticked off the list, it's kind of like, well, like what's next? Like what now? And there's a really great example with Johnny Wilkinson, the English rugby player who, after he won the World Cup in 2003, he said years later, you think it's amazing. It's the most, it's the immensity of that. It's the ecstasy of that moment. It's incredible. But within three or four seconds, it's on the decline. There's no lasting nature to it. And obviously you've come first, you've won gold at SSN, you've won gold at Commonwealth Games, and who knows, possibly even a World Cup gold too in the summer, you never know. But what is your motivation to keep performing at that highest level? Yeah, um, also a really good question too. I Funny because I actually, it's really interesting, last year would have been my most successful year as a player, but my hardest year as a player at the same time, I really struggled to find any motivation to show up, which is quite funny because people would argue that I had a phenomenal year. Um, so I think I, okay, I have a, obviously we have our team psych, but I have a really good psych um, outside of sport too and um, worked really hard with him to find like what were the little things that brought me joy within the sport and what were the reasons that I showed up. And for me, it's that um, I get to play with, in the Diamonds environment, 12 fantastic girls and then a squad of 22 like we're just honestly amazing and then in the fever environment that I've got yeah 10 of my closest friends um some of them that will be friends for the rest of my life and um when I'm my best version and showing up for them we all get to achieve our, our goals together so they were kind of my markers of um my motivation um but then also just finding that that reason and um it's quite funny um he always puts it he puts it like a little seat down and goes, oh, what would five-year-old Courtney be thinking of how you're talking about yourself right now? Like five-year-old Courtney doesn't ever think about herself like that. So why are you thinking about yourself like that now? And I think that's the the moment that I always go back to is like, okay, like things might be really tough right now. Um, and this might be a really hard session, but like how cool is it that I'm doing the thing that I never thought that I would get to do? Um, and moments like this in sport only last for so long. So trying to make the most of it whilst being so true to my myself um, because, yeah, it is so easy to lose motivation and um, to get caught up in it and to experience burnout like I did last year. But, um, yeah, finding those those little moments, the people at the club, the, the little girls at Fever Home Games in the Green Army, that's so loud, Um that just adore me for the person that I am. Um, so it was, yeah, finding all those little moments and taking me back to, to yeah, five-year-old Courtney rather than the 29-year-old who overthinks a little bit every now and then. <laughs> Go on, getting uh, a bit emotional, actually, hearing oh, you talk yeah. about that. It, especially when you think about be, being an inspiration to the younger generation growing up as well. I think I I, I just find that so amazing. And it, it's you're not just an inspiration, I think, to, to young girls. It's also... Uh, older adults as well and actually hearing you say that you don't you know being very open there and about saying that you you have struggled with motivation it's actually really it's it's really um kind of heartwarming in a way for me that I I feel I can relate about about something with you because 
you're expected to, uh, and I imagine as a high performance athlete to go through and you're very positive and you're yes, and we're training and it's all great and everything's fine. I'm living my best life. And actually the reality is, is not like that at all. And I'm fascinated by the, all this kind of off court world. And I feel like we're really, really getting to know kind of you and, and your, your personality as well. So I, I just wanted to say, I, I really appreciate you sharing that with us and mm-hmm. sharing that it, although on the surface, it was all like a, an amazing year that actually underneath there there was a lot of work going on behind the scenes and we know that obviously you've had incredible success domestically and internationally um, but also some very challenging moments including two Suncorp Super Netball grand final losses and of course the 2018 Commonwealth Games loss to England. So you've said previously in an interview that you blamed yourself for the loss as it was um, the last second obstruction call that allowed Housby to score the winning goal and in an interview sometime after the games you said there was a lot of heartbreak and I struggled it hurt a lot personally but I definitely think I wouldn't be half the player that I am right now without it I wouldn't have put in the work that I have done without that hiccup so can you take us back to that moment on the Gold Coast what was the process that you went through kind of mentally in order to come to terms with what had happened uh, yeah, so Gabby Simpson, one of my really good friends, host of Firebirds, Gabs and I went to Byron Bay, so just down the coast for like a week and a half. And I think we just cried for like a week straight just to process it all. Um, and I should have known that Helen Helen scores goals in the last second or her whole life. So <laughs> what she's I should have known better. Um, but I think upon reflection and, and sitting with Gabby um, was that like a, a game of netball is lost in 60 minutes or it's like not lost in one second um and we didn't perform to our best ability on that day and England were absolutely phenomenal and um like there's so many more moments than just that moment so I had to kind of step back and reflect and um I think yeah for me just taking that pressure off myself that we're all humans and we all make mistakes mine was just made on a on a global stage, which makes it seem that much more harder. And I felt like I'd let um, Australia down. Uh, But, um, yeah, I honestly wouldn't have done the work or, um, yeah, be half the player that I am now and know how to play big big moments. I'd never played in a grand final um, up to that point. Here in WA, we don't do necessarily very well through underage kind of events. So I pretty much only played a few a handful of grand finals and nothing like that stage before. So um yeah, just to step back and go like it there's so many contributing factors and to be a bit kinder to myself in that moment. Yeah. I mean I, I can't even imagine I, literally I cannot begin to imagine what that moment was like. And I think because obviously England had made the final for the first time, there's already that increased um, sort of visibility on the game globally because they were making history regardless of whether they won or not. So, yeah, I can't even imagine what that was like. But for me, I think one of the the key markers of a high-performance mindset is that ability to make a distinction between assigning blame or fault either to yourself or to someone else and then taking responsibility for your actions. I think there's a very distinct difference. And what I admire so much about you is that although we've said before, netball can't be won and lost by one person alone by its very nature, you acknowledged that you had made a mistake during the game and you took control of the things that you could take control of in the months and years that followed to then come out on top with a, an exceptional 2022. And in a, a podcast from September last year, you said um, you know, about the, the reaction to this, 
off the court, I'm a kind person, I'm caring, I'm loving, yet you're judging me off a three-second moment. And we've spoken a bit about impact of social media, but what was the reaction like publicly towards you after the 2018 Commonwealth Games final? I like so grateful that social media wasn't as big back then because I think I would have really, really struggled. I was only I was a baby at that Com Games, 23 or 24. So really young. So um I think just I think in, for me, and it's the same thing that happened in January, is that I think you make things a lot worse in your head than they're ever going to be. And it, obviously it's bad on social media and people have an opinion and they did in 2018 too. But um, I honestly, the, the actual threat of someone coming and saying that to my face is so low. So I think um, being able to separate the two for me of going like, yes, it was a moment and this happened, but no one's actually going to come out and say anything to me and like obviously if they want to I'll take it on board and, and whatnot but um just being able to to actually take a step back emotionally and um I think when you I always use the analogy of like when you're on the dance floor in the moment it's really hard to see another opinion so getting on up on the balcony and seeing it from a different view um and um understanding that Nepal fans all around the world are passionate they love the sport um, and there's something something else controversial will happen in two weeks' time and they'll forget about that moment in time anyway. So not trying to take it um, all on my shoulders and carry the world. Yeah, 100%. And also having the support of someone like Gabs and the, the Diamonds environment to help you through that just kind of speaks to like how special I think that those kind of high performance environments are. And we know that a topic that's really closely linked to high performance mindset is that of mental health and, and well-being. And to be able to function at our best, we need to make sure that we're looking after ourselves. And I think this is something I struggle with really badly, as the other Lucy will know. There's a balance <laughs> to be struck between kind of resting and unplugging when you feel that you need to, but then also being able to push through and persevere when you know, it's the last thing that you want to do, say like training, for example. You, it, how do you balance that need to both to rest both mentally and physically with the need to really push through or push beyond your limits in order to be the best? Oh, it's something that I was probably not good at last year, hence why I was, yeah, super, super burnt out um, and really was struggling. I actually listened to a really interesting podcast on the plane ride over to Team Girls Cup um, talking about like your inner critic and your voice and the ability to need to rest. And I think um, for me and something that I've worked with my psyche is that if I don't rest a lot of my um, training becomes like fear-based, so I'm training just to... Um, get it through, get done, like sh to shut up my inner critic. Like I'm not tired, I'm not burnt out. Um, but if I take that time to look after myself, all my performance comes from a real place of joy and happiness and enjoying the sport. So um, fear-based performance gets me gets me to, to a Commonwealth Games in 2018 but doesn't get me the outcome. But finding a bit more joy in my life and balance gets me to a to Com Games last year in 2022 and winning a gold medal. And that's the difference for me. Um, I do find it really hard to to switch off. Um, I always feel like I'm letting people people down if I'm not. Oh my God, stop it, Courtney. You're in my head right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly the exactly the same. It's so hard. It's really tough. But like our team psych challenged the girls to like not charge our phones in our room overnight because honestly like you have it there because someone's going to call you but no one's ever called me at 1am <laughs> so like challenging us to kind of switch off a bit from 
from that. But yeah, I've definitely learned over the last year and yeah, really struggling to even turn up in the fever environment that um, I need to look after myself first and um, looking after like five-year-old Courtney that loves going to the beautiful beaches here in Perth that loves reading her 50 books over there that haven't been opened um, and like just recharging um and I now know that I need to recharge a bit more than maybe a, a Jess or a Bez in our environment who are a little bit more extroverted are because they get their joy from being around the girls so just knowing the differences and what I actually need because then yeah I can actually give to the give to the team otherwise I'm very quickly depleted of my energy stores honestly that is so relatable because I I come across as quite an extroverted and actually my social battery runs out very very quickly so I'm exactly the same as you I need that little bit of extra time to kind of reset and recharge and then yeah trying to balance that with pushing through and trying to push myself beyond my limits is is tough yeah, I really like what you said as well, Courtney, about the uh, looking after your five-year-old self and doing what they want to do. I think there's there's often not enough play and fun in our lives. And it's like, that's what uh, what five-year-olds do. That's what all the, our mm. inner child always wants to be doing is having fun and take the pressure off and uh, and all of that kind of thing. And honestly, charging my phone in a room, not the room that I sleep in, is life-changing. If, <laughs> if, if anyone listening just takes one piece of, uh, of advice <laughs> from this podcast, then I would say it should be that amongst all the other things that Courtney said. I'm just conscious of time. So we've got a couple more questions for you, Courtney, as well, if that's okay with you. Yeah, I think go for it. Okay. So as we know, netball can often be a game of momentum swings and those who come out on top are the ones who can remain composed and not become overwhelmed in the moment. And there's a great little nugget in the High Performance Podcast on an episode with the cyclist Chris Hoy, and he details how he prepares for this so he isn't overwhelmed in the middle of a race when something doesn't go his way. So his psychiatrist at the time asked him, you know, what's going to happen or what will you do if someone breaks the world record just before you go to get on the track? And his response was just to say, oh, I won't think about it. But when you think about it, it's actually impossible not to think about something. So as soon as if I said, uh, like, don't think about a tortoise in a top hat, you would immediately think about a tortoise in a top hat, right? So he then kind of changed tack with his psychiatrist and purposely thought about and visualized his own perfect performance over and over and over again, and then went out there and made a new world and Olympic record. So how do you personally prepare yourself for a big game to ensure that you don't get overwhelmed when, it, say, for example, your opposite, your opponent takes the lead or there is a big momentum swing in their favor? Yeah, I think about um, an analogy our team psych uses with us, which is about a flashlight. So if you're shining a flashlight around everywhere, you're never going to be able to walk in a straight line. So just picking one thing to focus on and that will keep you going. So for me, I always, sometimes, I don't know if the camera ever catches me, but I'm always mumbling to myself, like um, the three things that I can control out there, I, my energy, my voice and my footwork, and no one else can really impact those things. So if I feel like my flashlight's going left, right and centre because I've been beaten on a move or the umpire has called me for a penalty going back to those, yeah, three things that I can control because, yeah, honestly, no one can take that away from my performance so that's kind of yeah where my headspace goes then 
Yeah, that's that's really fascinating because I, I really love that analogy of the flashlight because sometimes it does feel like if what, whatever you're doing, if you're at work or if you're on the sports field, that there's so much to focus your attention on. And you really just need to kind of laser in on something and really hone that hone that attention. I find that so fascinating and kind of intrinsically linked to this topic is our ability to control our emotions under extreme pressure. So how do you keep yourself grounded and ensure that in the moment the occasion doesn't kind of run away with you yeah I think I I probably gone on a bit of a journey with this I definitely used to watch players and think like don't react to the umpires don't do anything like that's that's the way to go about things but the more that I actually probably try and hide my emotions on the court they probably come out in a different way so for me it's just embracing um who I am and I wear my heart on the sleeve out there so kind of embracing those emotions not letting them overwhelm me so like knowing where my kind of peak performance is with those and um often you'll either see me like hit my my hands on the side of my legs or I'll take a deep breath and that's kind of me just like refocusing in and making sure that I'm in control of that moment so I feel like we've definitely got like I've got Jess as my vice captain here at Fever who is very unemotional and then you've got me on the other the side that's quite emotional and it actually works well because we balance each other out but um knowing what works for me which is yeah wearing my heart on the sleeve out there yeah and and that's so fascinating as well because it probably expends more mental energy to keep it in than it does Mm. to to kind of let it out because then if you've let it out with like a a sigh of frustration or or something like that then you've kind of exercise yourself of, of whatever it is rather than kind of keep keeping it under your under your chest I suppose and I think you can see that as well w- when you're watching I mean obviously having the cameras now these days in in, in netball is amazing from a fan perspective because you can get to see some of these little moments and actually it really adds to it it makes the game much more enjoyable as a fan to see you know an, an athlete living and breathing every moment rather than a robot going out and you know, kind of doing doing the job out there do, do you agree Luce? Oh, that's, you literally took the words out of my mouth. That's exactly what I was going to say from a spectator perspective. Like, I want to see you ride in every moment. I want to see you ride in like every challenge and every call. Like it's, it's so enjoyable to watch. And I think in a way it kind of humanizes you as well, because that's exactly what we're like when we play in our little Saturday leagues or, <laughs> you know, I got my match tonight. So like I, I ride those moments and I'm the absolute gobby person down the end of the court like screaming instructions and stuff like that's it yeah it really humanizes you and it makes you like really relatable to your average joe or your average lucy <laughs> yeah and i feel like for me it's just my my passion showing it's my absolute love for the sport and honestly if i try and hold it in i definitely don't play as well as i possibly could yeah yeah exactly oh courtney this has been so brilliant thank you so much we just have one final question i know i said the last one would be the final question but i've got one more for you and it's just to kind of to reflect back obviously you know you're 29 you've had this incredible career internationally and domestically in netball and if you hadn't found netball how do you think your life would be different now oh gosh ah that's a that's a heavy question Um, (laughs) Um, I honestly probably would have just followed my, my sisters are quite academic. So I probably would have just followed, followed that path. Um, I would have wanted to be a psychologist, psychologist. I don't know if I'll actually, like, if I would have ended up there, I think I would have found a different direction or a different passion. Um, oh, I couldn't really imagine my life without, 
about netball, I feel like um, I would have it in some capacity, but then I think of some of my closest friends that don't play with me at the elite level, like I met when I was 13, 14, 15. So um, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know how to answer that. That's Yeah, I don't (laughs) picture my life without the sport. It's given me so much. Yeah, and that's amazing because it feels like going back to what we were saying before about, you know, your identity and, and being your authentic self, it seems like you found that with netball and, mm-hmm. and what a, what a peaceful kind of place to be at, it, it, you know, for yourself mentally, like still pushing yourself and still challenging, but also feeling, feeling content in your path is, is really inspiring. Oh, thanks guys. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Well, Courtney, this has been absolutely fantastic and we really, really appreciate you spending the time to talk with us. We know you're a very busy lady with the SSN season, obviously starting soon and all of that going on and um, hopefully being able to pick up your studies kind of post COVID, et cetera. Um, but really, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It was a really good time. Amazing. Take care. What an amazing conversation with someone who is at the top of their game and excelling in all areas, but also able to be so vulnerable and open about what's going on for her personally. And I love the work that they're doing with their their sports psych and uh, and all of that stuff. And I think it's such a growth area for netball because of the funding and, and resources allocated that that seems to be something that falls by the wayside. But I'm glad to see that West Coast Fever are, are really pushing on with it. And it's obviously working because look at the success that they've had. Yeah. And I just think, you know, I'm so grateful to Courtney for having, for being so generous in what she shared with us. Cause you know, it's a very, it's a very personal topic, you know, like yeah. the the things that make you tick and your behaviors and the, the factors that influence your behavior is really personal. So she was so generous. And I think what she said about the little five-year-old Courtney you know, what, what would you say to her? Like that, that, I was, I actually almost had a little tear at that point. I got really emotional then. Yeah. And I think it's, it's the case that that is applicable to anyone in, in whatever Mm. situation you're in, you can take that kind of ethos because so many of us beat ourselves up about things and get into a negative thought pattern and just that kind of perspective is really fascinating whether you're you know competing for a gold medal or going about your day job or being a parent or or any of those kind of things I think yeah there's a a lot that can be taken from that so yeah thanks everyone for listening and uh, we can't wait to bring you another amazing conversation next week with a super special guest our episode next week is going to be about the ANZ Premiership which is kicking off this weekend so do tune in for that and stay tuned on social media for the announcement of our super special guest and speaking of social media, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and follow us at Quarter Time Pod for all the latest netball updates. Let us know what you thought of the matches, whether you're tuning into the ANZ or not, who you're rooting for um, and which players have stood out for you. We would also really, really appreciate it if you could take a moment to rate and review as it helps other people to find the podcast. If you enjoy listening to the podcast, please do let us know and spread the word with your netball pals so even more people can get involved. And don't forget to take advantage of our exclusive discount with Lovell Netball by entering the code NETPOD15 at the checkout at lovellnetball.co.uk. And finally, this weekend, we are back at the Copper Box Arena on Saturday for a huge game between Pulse and Storm. Oh, it's going to be great. So if you haven't got your tickets, definitely get on it because there were only a handful left last time I heard. So um, you don't want to miss out.
Yeah, and there's also some amazing MPL games happening throughout the day. So you can get your separate ticket for those ones and come and watch some of the youngsters in action. Mm -hmm. Take care, everyone, and we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.